Before we get started with this episode, a few quick things. First of all, if you like what you're hearing, please consider donating to my podcast. You can do so by going to my website, rabbiproject.com, and clicking on the Donate tab. Also, I am officially on the speaking circuit, so to say. So if you're interested in having me speak to your group of any size, just shoot me an email, justin at rabbiproject.com. Once again, justin at rabbiproject.com. And finally, everyone interviewed for this podcast speaks solely for themselves. Welcome to American Rabbi Project, the podcast about American Judaism from the perspective of rabbis across the country. I'm Justin Regan, and I'm back. Even after a year of darkness, most people stick pretty close to the script when asked how they are doing. We still go to the tried and true, I'm good. Or maybe now we preface it by saying, all things considered, or for what it's worth, I'm good. So many of us feel like we're not worthy of feeling the misery we obviously all share. Somehow, we need to be grateful that it's not worse. But, damn it, both things can be true. This emotional and cosmic yo-yo has been my life since the last time I signed off the air last May. Family members have suffered. Anxiety and depression have built up. I've struggled to find satisfying employment, which is a stellar bedfellow with self-worth. It seems like every attempt to use the pandemic as a golden opportunity to work on self-improvement has devolved into basic survive in advance. But despite a year in lockdown and my sweater fusing to my skin, a lot of life has happened too. I moved across the country to finally live with my long-distance girlfriend. We now reside in Baltimore, and we are engaged. We're slowly and responsibly getting more and more involved with the community. I'm relatively healthy, enjoying engagement, and enjoying Maryland. The cosmic yo-yo theme is perfectly built into the framework of Passover, Pesach, the festival of freedom and potato starch. It speaks of both liberation and suffering. It makes for one of the best holidays to unpack and remember the events of this past year. And on a personal note, There's no better time to start Season 3. Narrow Spaces and Liberation A common theme I get from most of my interviews with rabbis is how they love the intimacy of the job. A rabbi is present for some of the happiest and most tragic moments of a person's life. Now the scale has been tipped heavily towards tragedy. These are spiritual first responders for a hurting world. They are also teachers and community members participating in holidays and rituals that continue on regardless. There are kitchens to purge, seders to experience, and reflections to be had. For this year's Passover episode, I asked various rabbis to record themselves answering this question. Is there a particular part of the seder or a Passover tradition that speaks to you this year? Hello, everybody in the American Rabbi Project. This is Rabbi Greg Cantor at Kahal Kadosh Beth Elohim in Charleston, South Carolina. So, the part of the Seder that especially speaks to me this year, in a way, is kind of obvious. It's the plagues. Um, This pandemic is like a plague. It's been felt like a test on all of us. It's tested our patience, tested our ability to be kind and ability to be strong and follow through. And 
even though I realize as someone who has not gotten COVID, who's as someone who follows the science and masks when I'm out with people and socially distances, um, I know there's people who are dealing with much worse. I've officiated the funerals and I've spoken to people who are suffering at this time. Um, and so we can relate in a brand new way um, to everyone who's having a tough time during this pandemic. But no, we're here for you. If you're living alone, just know that your community loves you and misses you and can't wait for that time when science allows us to return together and pray together and sing together and celebrate together again when this plague will be over and will feel a new sense of redemption. Thank you, everybody. Have a Chag Sameach and mostly a happy and healthy Passover. Hi, this is Rabbi Sam Spector from Congregation Kolomi in Salt Lake City, Utah. This year for Passover, there's a lot that really resonates with me. Last year in particular, it was the idea of the 10 plagues as we had just gone into lockdown for the pandemic. However, this year, Yes, those plagues still ring true a bit more than in previous years. However, I'm also thinking about the overall message of freedom. This is the year where we are getting our vaccine, where we are looking at reopenings and getting to return to some sense of normalcy. And the idea of Passover is that tomorrow can be better than today, that we can experience freedom. And so uh, that's huge for me as well. And also on a personal note, um, my wife is due with her first child, our first child, in June. And so the four questions and the reading of the four children and such, uh, that also is going to be a bit, bit more special for me this year, knowing that in future years, uh, I should have a little baby over at the table by me. So, uh, and eventually able to read those questions, him or herself, we don't know yet what we're having. So, um those are the parts of the Seder that really connect with me this year. Hi, this is Peter Grumbacher. I'm the Rabbi Emeritus of Congregation Beth Emeth in Wilmington, Delaware, and the part-time Rabbi of, of Beth El Congregation in Harrisonburg, Virginia. This is a difficult time for all Americans, indeed all the world, uh, and as we approach Passover, there is something in the Haggadah, the traditional Haggadah, that made me realize how it relates to um, what's going on in the world today. I uh, wrote my own Haggadah for my congregation in Virginia, combining the Exodus from Egypt story, the traditional one, with COVID-19 especially, but also aspects of the insurrection. What always intrigued me with the traditional Haggadah was the four sons, which we now call the four children. But I included that in my Haggadah, but also added the four Americans. And I'd like to read that to you. The wise American asks, what can I do to help neighbors who might not be able to fare for themselves to keep myself and those around me safe? This person knows that the responsibility falls upon each of us individually to do what we can in this time of pandemic. The wicked American asks, why should I believe the scientists when having my business closed hurts my pocketbook? 
This person denies the reality of how serious COVID-19 really is and how it has killed over half a million people just in America. The innocent American is a child and asks, why can't I go to school and play with my friends? This child is hurting and must be told with patience and kindness that this will end and life will go back to normal. But in the meantime, we have to do everything we can to keep each other healthy. And the youngest American, who doesn't know what to ask, has to be held and comforted. That child has to feel a love that says, days will be better. So that is my interpretation of the, the four children in light of what is going on in the world today. Hello, this is Rabbi Robert Haas of Congregation Mikveh Israel in beautiful Savannah, Georgia. And it's an honor to be asked to speak again for the American Rabbi Project. The question, of course, this year is what are the traditions that are you finding the most meaning in right now? And that's an interesting question because last year at this time, we found out there was a pandemic that was going to cause all of us to completely change our Passover plans. It was the first year in which I didn't celebrate a Seder with all my friends and family or my community. And so we rushed to figure out a way how we could bring everyone together, especially those who didn't have a place to go for Seder, because obviously most people didn't last year. And so we videoed, we virtually created a Passover Seder for everyone in our community who had access to the Internet, which was most of the people. And although we would have preferred to do it the other way, it really helped everyone find a connection during Passover that they otherwise may not have had. It was a rush job. We were new to the technology. I'd only done Zoom a couple of times in my life. Of course, now we do it every day. But back then, it was a last-second effort. This year, even as the restrictions have eased, there's no way we can do a community Seder or two Seders. We usually do one the first night and the second night, 150 people each, crowd into a small room. Not feasible. But what we wanted to do was continue the tradition we started last year by virtually sending out our Passover Seder. So this year we're going to do a family Seder the night before, and we're going to do a Passover Seder for a community the night of. We even cooked Passover food for everybody so they could come and pick it up on Friday, including dinner and all the Passover plate ingredients and so forth. So I think this is a tradition that we're going to continue in the future because even though Hopefully next year we'll be able to join together for our Seder or Seders. There are many people who are unable to join us for a Seder or even join anyone for a Seder, whether they're homebound or whether there's another reason families living far away. And so in this way, we can help them enjoy Passover from the comfort of their own home if they can't leave their home for any reason, whether it's because of health or because not knowing anybody or not feeling comfortable. And so I think this is a tradition we're going to do from now on. It's the same thing for our worship services. We never performed or did virtual services or performed plays or did anything in our congregation that was virtual. And now everything is going to be virtual. So what we have to do is learn new ways to professionally video or record our services. And now we're doing that, of course, for our Seder. So whereas last year I did it on a computer at Zoom and kind of figuring out how to do it at the last second. This year we're going to have two people come in with two cameras and then I'm going to have a video screen facing me so we can have people participate. And then for our family service, I'm going to have some of the students, high school students in our community, dress up and virtually do parts in the 
short 20-minute family Seder. So I want to wish everyone all the best for Passover this year. We know that it's been a difficult time, but for us, especially those of us who are more liberal rabbis and are comfortable using technology on these holidays, it's really been a blessing that we've had access to it. So our new tradition will be making sure that we virtually send out our Seder every year for those who are not able to attend. And again, thank you very much for inviting me to participate. Chag Sameach, and everyone stay safe out there. We conclude with Rabbi Simon Benzikin of Congregation Ezra Becerath in Seattle, Washington. There is something that I, uh, that I started thinking uh, very deep about how important family is for me, how important family is in practice. And the fact that we usually come Passover, we take it for granted. We, we usually get together. It's one time that the family gets together, you know, wherever they are. Look, even in the Agadah, you know, in the, the readings of the Agadah, of the Seder, you know, the night of Passover, they, they even introduce it from the Talmud. It's four types of people even to tell you. You have to have an, a, an engaged persons there and speak about every kind of person, no matter what. And we say whether one is, is the righteous, tzaddik, you know, and the other one is, uh, is really a bad guy. The other one is a medium, the other one is not to us. But the fact is that everybody is at the table and everybody is at the table and we discuss whatever it is, no matter how, eat your family and they matter and they are important, each one of them. And we have a responsibility and a job just to, to have a dialogue with them, never to discard them at all. We have to speak, even if we have some time to say things that are a little bit, a bit sharp, doesn't matter, but we are always in a dialogue. It's most important not to avoid a dialogue. I think, unfortunately, this is what we see in life, what's happening, you know, people are avoiding dialogue at all. Because otherwise, we don't speak, then we don't, we can never come to understand anybody else. We have to talk. And so this is what, what the Agadah is. And in fact, we learn all this already from the Bible to us when there was the, the commandment to, because it was going to be after the, the plagues, you know, the last one, the 10th plague, which is the, the, the killing of the firstborn of Egyptian and where the Israelites were saved. You know, that in itself, what was it? There was a preparation to offer up this Paschal lamb in that time, you know, and they put the blood in the doorpost and, uh, and it's going to be passed over the, uh, you know, the house of the Jewish people. I mean, that was partly what, the, what our belief, you know, God was watching over us. No matter what we were, nobody with what we call a degree we were, no matter what. It was that our belief, he was watching over us, and this is what Moses came, and he was the last. But we had to offer up that that Paschal lamb first, and the and the the commandment was to be offered up as a family, one for an entire family, and you have to really appoint yourself to that Paschal lamb, meaning you have to register yourself. It reminds me of exactly like we're gonna go now to the synagogue. You have to register. Just in case, if you have got, you know, when, when this COVID was in, uh, you know, hitting everybody and you don't know, you have to protect yourself. 
one of the things is, is that family, you realize things that you take for granted, that you had your children or anybody, you get together, all of a sudden, you've been deprived of that. You couldn't be even, even with a family. Nobody knew exactly what it is. You have to keep a distance. It used to be like that, even with the children, even the, even the professionals they didn't know. They all give you all kinds of, of theories here and there until somebody's in the hospital in a, in, in, you know, in a breathing machine, and then you start talking about what is happening. So it was really very intense as well. And, the, and therefore this idea of the appreciation of what is to have your family with you is something that really made an impact in practice when this thing came. All the time, all the years, we take it for granted. Okay, we go to a hotel or we go, we are at home. Everybody come, everybody travel. All of a sudden you are deprived of all that. And all of a sudden you really realize how important family is and how important you have to think about it as a lesson that you appreciate all those that are always with you, that you take them for granted, they are with you. And this is, for me, the most important lesson that I learned. And not only that, at the same time, we all learn how to really treat somebody else, how to really be, be concerned about somebody else that you might not, you know, you might, you might affect anybody because of the COVID-19 as well. And so we made rules for ourselves to be considerate of somebody else. That we used to do, but we didn't even think about it. Most of the time, you never thought. You just, you know, if it is in you, in your natural <laughs> way of doing things. But now we have to make the effort to know this matters. You have to be concerned about somebody else. Those are the things that are really paramount to me, what we learn. In order of appearance, those were Rabbis Greg Cantor, Sam Spector, Peter Grumbacher, Robert Haas, and Simon Benzikin. They spoke about what Passover traditions particularly speak to them this year. By default, everything in Judaism is rich in symbolism. Pesach still finds a way to take it to the next level. And for me, the most symbolic act of the most symbolic holiday of one of the most symbolic religions is during the Seder, when we pour out a little bit of wine while naming the plagues, taking an intentional moment to mourn the suffering of others by literally spilling joy out of your glass is even more relevant to mark the passage of this past year, full of death, racial hatred, insurrection, growing divisions, and agonizingly phony commercials that say, now more than ever. There's also a tradition in some Jewish spaces to have additions to the Seder plate. An orange can represent LGBTQ rights, a tomato can pay homage to agricultural workers, and an olive symbolizes peace in the Middle East. This year, I'm starting a new tradition and adding an ugly oblong can of processed salted fish to my Seder table. The symbolism would be a personal one. About two months ago, my fiancé and I got COVID. We were the lucky ones. The symptoms were mild, but long-reaching, some even to this day. For me, one of the harshest side effects was losing all taste and smell. There's something about losing two of your senses that make you feel even less and less connected to a world you're already struggling to experience from quarantine. And then I tried pickled herring for the first time. 
The pungent teamwork of fish, onions, vinegar, and salt, when coupled with my dull taste, made it the perfect amount of flavor. I even went as far as to make a pickled herring hamantaschen, and I don't care if you're gagging right now, that was the tastiest hamantaschen I've ever had. It kicked Nutella's ass. Not only was this a source of flavor for the weeks I was without taste buds, it was also a shock to the system, which helped me reconnect to the world and remind me that I was alive and recovering from something too many people didn't. In some ways, I still haven't come to terms with the fact I had COVID. Even now, it hasn't sunk in. But it's not something I want to forget. I think Passover is a good time to reflect every year moving forward. An annual opportunity to thank God and the many people who sacrificed so much to deliver us out of the narrow spaces of pandemic to a better world. American Rabbi Project, Narrow Spaces and Liberation was written and produced by me, Justin Regan. If you like what you are hearing, please consider donating to my podcast. Just go to rabbiproject.com and click on the donate page. Derek Pova handles the web stuff. Thanks to Sarit Dan Rathbone, Beth Vanderstoop, Jeremy Crones, and my parents for the assistance. You can also follow me on Twitter with the handle at rabbiproject, facebook.com slash rabbiproject, and on Instagram with American Rabbi Project. And until next time, shalom. Happy Passover. Please stay safe.